Hi, I'm Jason Sachs. Welcome to Classic Comics Cavalcade, the comics-related podcast that is always just a little bit different from week to week. This week, I invited on Chris Kaiser, a longtime friend who's a big fan of Mark Wade's Flash Run. We talk about Wade's Flash um, for about 40 minutes or so, talking about some of the highlights and lowlights of the series, some of our favorite moments, and some of our favorite characters. Would love to hear what you think of our show. Immediately following this intro is an ad with a great way that you can share your thoughts. Please do so because I'm looking to get feedback from all of you about the ways to make the show even better. Hope you enjoy the podcast this week and thanks for listening. So welcome, Chris Kaiser. It's nice to get to hang out with you. Uh, Longtime buddy of mine from the old comics bulletin days. Um, absolutely it's a pleasure to be here it's fun to get to hang out and it was fun to get to read a hundred or so issues of mark wade's flash at your suggestion no kidding no kidding i I think this is one of the uh one of the great comic runs of all time at least in terms of of superheroes certainly one of the best dc runs in my estimation so you pitched me this um what was it that really stuck in your mind about this series that made you want to talk about it a number of things. You know, the first is just really a, a personal connection to it to give you a little bit of insight into uh, just the fact that Flash comics have been influential to me. My oldest daughter is named Iris, not necessarily directly named after uh, Iris West, but when uh, my wife and I were brainstorming names and that one came up as a possibility, that was certainly part of the appeal of it to me. Really, uh, my um, love for this run uh, dates back to. Uh, around the time I was a kid, really getting into reading comics seriously. I, you know, I liked superheroes from a young age, but I reached an age where I discovered, hey, there are comic shops and there are these series that you can get. They're ongoing and every character has their own comic. For my 10th birthday, uh, I had a gift of a DC mail order subscription. Um, basically, I could could pick whatever series I wanted to get. And I really have have no idea how I landed on this choice, but I decided, hey, let let's get the Flash. I knew about the Flash a little bit. I had uh, the Superpowers action figure. I knew who he was at that point. I, he was by no means my my favorite character. I really loved Batman. I don't know why Flash popped into my head. Uh, perhaps the uh, the Speed Force was guiding me or something like that. But I decided, hey, I want I want to check this book out. And the the very first issue that came in the mail to my house was. Uh, uh, Flash number 73, which is the first part of The Return of Barry Allen. So right there, I'm getting in on, on the ground floor of what many would say is the highlight of this run we're going to talk about. And I was hooked. This character was great. Uh, these stories were great. And uh, and I've loved them ever since. How could you start with a better first issue? Yeah, 73, which is it, really the best arc, one of the best arcs of the 1990s, really. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think absolutely. Yep, no question there. And then you caught up with Wade's run before that, because he'd done about a year's worth before that. I think he joined at 63, 62. Yeah, 60, 62, 62 was, uh, was when he started uh, with the, the year one Born to Run storyline. So, yeah, I, I, I later discovered that. Uh, you know, I, I think it was really that Return of Barry Allen story where the, the run kind of kicks into a higher gear and really, really is a classic. It really is like a perfect Mark Wade arc in that he sets up first the joy of Barry reunited with Wally. And Wally's just absolute pleasure at getting to spend time with this man who he has really changed his life. And the mystery 
takes its time to evolve. We want to appreciate Wally's happiness. We want to live Wally's joy. And we're fighting against ourselves saying, no, Barry really shouldn't be back. But Wally wants desperately to believe it's true. And he starts to ignore all the signals around him. And then finally it becomes obvious that Barry isn't who he thinks he is. And the tragedy and the way it hits him seems so impactful and so terrible. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I think even reading it as a 10 year old, you know, I had this, this, you know, notion that, okay, probably Barry Allen's not really back. I don't think they would bring him back. You know, this probably going to be some twist to this. Uh, but the way, the way that Wade wrote it was brilliant. We, we learn as uh, the story goes on, this doesn't seem like it's the Barry Allen that, uh, that we knew from, uh, from earlier DC comics. He starts to act uh, in a strange way. But the brilliance of it is it, it wasn't as simple as this is a villain, uh, you know, pretending to be Barry to try to trick Wally. But the actual twist of the story is much more interesting than that. I, I suppose it's OK to get into to spoilers for a 20 year old uh, comic story, right? I figure we'll be spoiling stuff all along. On this show. <laughs> so, so, yeah, yeah, if you haven't yeah. read comics from 20 years ago, plus tune out now. We start to suspect as this version of Barry Allen uh, becomes more violent, starts to become uh, egotistical, narcissistic. He he wants to be known as the only Flash. The obvious thought there is, well, this must be a villain or some trick perpetuated by a villain. Uh, and it is. It does ultimately turn out that this is not Barry Allen. This is his greatest foe from the Silver and Bronze Age, uh, Eobard Thawne. Those who watch the Flash TV show will recognize that name. It's Professor Zoom, the reverse Flash. But it's not simply that this is Professor Zoom perpetrating a trick. Uh, he actually doesn't know he's not Barry Allen. He's traveled back in time from the future and has amnesia. And he's altered his face to look like Barry Allen. Uh, so when he sees himself, he thinks he's Barry Allen. Uh, so it's, it's not as simple as this is someone pulling one over on Wally. Uh, but, but the villain himself doesn't actually realize who he is. Uh, but in the course of uh, living this life as Barry... Uh, his wicked nature comes out and and bit by bit he becomes less like Barry Allen the hero he thinks he is and more like Professor Zoom the villain that he is in actuality and i love that the real twist is that he hypnotized himself it's not that Wally is is being convinced that he's wrong or Wally's believing something that's wrong it's that Eobod really believes he is Barry because Barry is this pure light of goodness this pure light of of positive energy his inner nature can't stand being that good. So you see his true evilness come out of it. It's just a great supervillain story. It sure is. I, I think he's, uh, in his life in the future, he's, he's actually idolized Barry and wanted to be like him and mm -hmm. put his body through these processes to give himself super speed, changed his face to look like Barry. When he goes back to the past, he ends up in, in the Flash Museum and sees that not only does he end up becoming a villain to the Flash, but Barry Allen the Flash actually ends up killing him at some point in Thawne's future timeline. The intake of that information provides the shock that uh, causes him to, to, to lose his memory and, and think he's Barry. But yeah, I think you, you hit it spot on. He's still a, a villain at heart. He can't live this heroic life. Yeah, the flash forward to the future, too, where he takes on Barry's identity is just so satirical, too. I really felt like Mark Wade was kind of mocking himself, really, as this fanboy who wants to put on this uniform of someone who he maybe doesn't feel like he should really be, who doesn't feel like he should be in their shoes. 
Yeah, I really, I think that uh, you've definitely hit on something there. I, I had a similar thought with regard to Mark Wade and, and how he's um, grappling with his own inheritance of the Flash legacy. If you've ever uh, heard an interview with Wade, uh, heard him on a podcast or, or something like that, he is a clear dyed-in-the-wool fanboy. He's, he's widely known for being an expert on comics trivia, specifically DC comics trivia. Uh, the guy knows everything about the history of these characters, uh, grew up uh, loving them, knowing everything about them. He becomes an editor at DC and then gets, gets a chance to, to, to write uh, a book. He, he wrote a few comics before coming on to The Flash full-time, but this was his real first permanent run on a book. So you've got this guy who's grown up uh, idolizing these characters, loves the DC universe. Similarly, he's writing a character, Wally West, who grew up as a superhero, who grew up immersed in the world of the Justice League. His friends were the Teen Titans. His family, Barry Allen, was the Flash. Like Mark Wade, he's grown up amongst these superheroes and is now thrust in the role of having to live up to the legacy of this hero of his, Barry Allen. And uh, much of the beginning of Wade's run, and, and I think really culminating in this uh, return of Barry Allen's story, sort of wrapping up the first year, year and a half of the book, you see Wally going through that and coming to terms with what does it mean to live up to this seemingly untouchable legacy of Barry Allen? How do I fit in? It makes me wonder if uh, Wade himself was uh, working through those issues coming on as a writer. Yeah, I have a copy of The Flash Companion, which is actually a book I worked on for Tomorrow's 2008 that our former editor, Keith Dallas, was the editor for. And there's a great interview from Wade in here that I'll probably refer to a few times. Apparently, DC Editorial had to be persuaded to allow Wade to take on the book, in part because they expected The Flash to fail once the original Flash TV series went under. So he says DC had to be persuaded to let you take him take it on, but they didn't hesitate that much because they assumed the book would be canceled. And so then he decided, what can I do to put Wally through his through these exercises? Even though Wally had been the Flash then for about six years, we continue, we continue to be pelted month after month with letters from fans demanding to know when is Barry really going to come back and get rid of this upstart. So basically, we decided to really challenge him. The entire story really sprang out of Brian and me trying to get Wally through his worst nightmare, while at the same time teasing fans with their fondest dream. Give Wally the thing he wanted most in the world, and then take it away from him, and see what kind of man that made him. And I really thought that's absolutely what happened, because we saw Wally become much more mature after that. By confronting the darkest vision of what could have happened to him, he became a much better human being. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to see how uh, even even from the beginning of Wade's run, he starts to, to seed that notion. So in the origin story that the run starts with, where uh, he flashes back to Wally West as a kid, meeting Barry Allen, getting these powers, uh, he throws in little details like Wally can't vibrate through solid objects like mm -hmm. Barry can. Barry tries to get him to do it. There's no scientific reason why he shouldn't be able to have this same power that Barry has. And Wade doesn't really fully explore it at that point. But, you know, as time goes on, you start to realize uh, Wally's just got this, uh, you know, complex or this psychological block. He's not able to be as fast as Barry because he can't surpass his hero. But uh, after the encounter with Vaughn in the Return of Barry Allen story, you know, that really changes for Wally. He's able to, to physically overcome those limitations at the same time as he psychologically realizes that, yes, he can live up to this Flash legacy that he's now a part of. No, it's beautiful because he really is the one who discovers the Speed Force and it allows him to take 
himself and the, his legacy to a much higher level. And right before that, too, he adopts Impulse as his kind of ward of sorts, his own kid flash, so to speak. And it forces a bit more maturity on him there as well. I think one of the real one of the additional brilliant pieces of the run there there are so many is uh, watching uh, Wally's maturation process. You know, you come into the book, uh, he's he's a little bit a little bit of a hothead. He's uh, impatient. You know, he can move faster than everybody, so he gets very frustrated when the world, when the world around him uh, moves slowly. But step by step, you know, he starts to grow up. He actually evolves as a character. I know that uh, one of the regular knocks on Johnny Storm in the Fantastic Four is that every writer who comes on to write the Fantastic Four writes the story of Johnny finally growing up and acting maturely, and then the, the next writer starts and they kind of reset him <laughs> back to zero, right? He's never, right. never able to progress. Um, and at least for the period of the 1990s, when Wade was writing The Flash, that didn't happen to Wally. He steadily progresses, becomes more mature. And I, I think really interesting to, to bring in the, uh, the Impulse storyline as, as evidence of that. He's annoyed to you know, the point of madness that this kid, Bart Allen, is so impulsive. He gives him the name Impulse because the kid has no self-control and it drives him crazy. And, and you think, well, like, Wally, you're kind of like this too, right? But he's having to act as the adult and it's really this major step in the uh, character's development. Yeah, it's a little bit of like, wait, you're acting just like I did now. I see how bad I am, how much I, make it, I would make other people crazy. He gets more perspective. And the two of them together are just a total joy. And then he also adopts this new father figure in Max Mercury, who um, really is this kind of wise guru to him, which it all contributes also to the key thing that made this book really shine for me, which is this whole feeling of family. Yeah. Are you are you a Max Mercury fan? Yeah, I think I am. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I am, too. I, I think he's really one of the gems uh, of this run. Like you said, he plays into the family aspect uh, as this adoptive grandfather or father, but he also plays into the legacy theme uh, as well. And for those who may not know, Max Mercury is basically a reinvention uh, of a golden age hero that had kind of been forgotten, a hero that had been known by many names. At one point, he was actually called Quicksilver. Quicksilver, obviously, uh, yeah. yeah. Obviously, DC wasn't going to call him that, right? He's this other character with the powers of the flash that really no one knew anything about he was kind of there for the taking uh for wade to do whatever he wanted with him and so uh wade crafts this really interesting guru zen speedmaster character uh, who's got this great history that that ties in perfectly to all of the stuff he's doing in this flash book about legacy and passing on your identity and, and your responsibilities to the next generation max is a character who's actually traveled through time and been a part of several generations of heroism and uh, it just it just works perfectly I, I i love the guy he's such a great addition to the book he's like the guru for wally he really kind of turns things to a higher level jay garrick the original flash the golden age flash is more of like this companionary this companion this this good friend but max is the voice of wisdom who really helps wally reach his true potential yeah he's the one who helps him understand what is this speed force thing that he's discovered. How, how should he be thinking about that? A lot, a lot of the other characters, Wally in, in included, kind of dismiss him at first. They think he's just full of this mysticism and mumbo jumbo. Wally right. in the tradition of Barry Allen, a scientist, thinks this is ridiculous. My powers are science-based. But yet he comes to realize there's this mystical, supernatural element to what he's doing that, that ties him and these other characters with similar powers together in a way that he never realized was, was the case before. Yeah, he ties things together. He's the glue of the storyline. 
so that when Speed Force is introduced and we have this great series around issue 100 where Wally finds himself lost in the Speed Force, Max really is kind of the anchor. And then when we see Wally emerge from the Speed Force, he also is showing himself as this new generation of speedster, having learned from the past. And so it really reinforces this idea of the legacy character building on what had happened to him in the past. It's uh, we, we touched on it a minute ago, but you know how Wally is thrust into this mentorship role uh, with Impulse, uh, the way that that uh, changes him, uh, gives him an added degree of responsibility, yet he's still kind of growing into it. Uh, he, mm-hmm. he doesn't keep Bart around as his, his sidekick. He actually sends him off to be trained by Max uh, for a little while, which I think is kind of a clever touch. Maybe DC did it just because they, they wanted another book, and so they needed to find a way to, for Impulse to go off on his own. But I love the fact that even though Wally is still growing and he's getting more mature, he's not 100% of the way there, so he's not quite ready to take on this father figure role uh, to another character. He's got to turn to the guy that's still serving in that role for him. No, he's not quite a dad yet. Um, and I think part of that, part of what makes him more mature is the relationship he grows with Linda. I hadn't read a lot of these issues all back to back before, so I wasn't really aware of the arc with those characters, but I thought that was one of the highlights of reading an entire chunk of issues. Wally's growing relationship with his girlfriend and eventually his wife. It's really uh, paced out uh, beautifully throughout the length of the run. You know, as the book starts, I think Linda had been introduced by the previous writer on the book. I think that was a a, a Lesnar Loeb's creation. Um, He literally brings her back in the last page of his last issue as kind of a tip to Wade saying, hey, if you want to use this character, she's here for you. Here she is. And then look what she becomes. Absolutely pivotal to the role. But, you know, as they're starting, they're dating kind of casually. They don't even know if they're a couple. Um, Then they decide to make that commitment and. You know, as, as time goes on, they, they become more and more invested in each other. And, you know, it's interesting for me to see as that's going on, I, I was reminded of one of the things that, that actually regularly frustrates me about the Flash TV show is that the characters seem to often not be able to just tell the truth to one another. And they're always keeping <laughs> secrets and making assumptions. And I'm like, this, yes. is, this is CW stuff. This is, you know, yeah, they're just trying to make it a soap opera. I'm reading this this Wade Flash one, and I'm like, even though the TV show is is about Barry, and and this this book is about Wally, like that kind of stuff is happening in this comic where Wally and Linda they don't know how to communicate, and if if they would just talk, they could get over this issue. And it, so it actually made me question uh, my criticism of that TV show. Maybe it is a little bit truer <laughs> to the spirit of these comics than I was giving it credit for. Um, maybe. Maybe I have a whole other tangent about them bringing back Barry as a main character about why it's important for us to have Wally as a lead character, because I just think Wally's just a stronger character than Barry. I mean, he's flawed. He's complicated. He went through a lot of crap as they talk about his relationship with his parents is just awful, which really gives his character arc a great sense of power. And I think this whole idea of having Barry's dad being accused of killing his mom is just so artificial. And just I just don't think it adds much to the character. I honestly always thought that Barry was much more boring than Wally. Because Barry's yeah. always been this kind of very, he's this crew cut guy, right? As opposed to Wally, who kind of tries his best to live up to his legacy and grows into that legacy. He's more like, he's more like Starman, I guess, you know, uh, which is another iconic 90s series in which a, uh, an ordinary guy really grows into the legacy that, he, that was given to him. Yeah, I've, I've thought that Barry Allen was actually uh, 
more valuable to DC uh, dead than alive. Uh, you know, him playing sort of a, an Uncle Ben type role, not that Wally was uh, responsible for his death, but just having him loom over Wally as this great example of a hero that he looked up to, I, I think works so much better than having the actual Barry Allen in place in the comics. I think really to make him interesting, they've had to either make him more like Wally or, you know, make him more like, you know, Batman or someone giving him this, this tragic origin story involving uh, the death of his mother. Those sort of things uh, have just been grafted onto the character. Uh, they're not how he developed. And I'm with you totally. Wally was the guy. And as soon as they brought back Barry, pushed Wally to the side, my interest in Flash comics really diminished. No, I just don't get the point, really. We had a character who we got to see grow up and become something special. One of the very, very few true legacy characters where it, the torch was really passed the next generation and he became a true hero in the, in the suit. I can't think of any other examples like that. They tried, for example, with Green Lantern, with Kyle, but of course Hal returned. Dick Grayson has never put on the Batman suit. He really only wore the Nightwing suit. Wally's the only kid character who ended up becoming the new version of the classic hero. Yeah, I think Dick Grayson, uh, at least in DC terms, is the closest parallel I could think of where uh, he does at least grow up. He's not Robin anymore. He's got his own thing going on, but he's still, in a sense, kind of like a Batman junior. There there have been mixed results, but you know the Nightwing series has never... Uh, had the appeal uh, to it that Batman has. He's he's kind of the same type of character, but he's not Batman. He's gotten to step into the role temporarily, but you know never really uh, in any way that that any readers would have suspected was permanent. Uh, and that's what you had with Wally for to a, a good twenty years. He was the Flash, and he got to grow into that role. And perhaps by the time Barry was brought back, uh, maybe there were still some some readers around who were nostalgic for him. But I think really what uh, happened when DC uh, made that move was really they just um, sort of alienated and, and dismissed uh, fans uh, like like myself who grew up with Wally and had grown with him and grown to love him. And you know, that, that's, that's all thrown out the window. There was just so much to love with him. Are there certain storylines that you especially enjoyed? We've touched on a few of those already. I, I think, uh, as, as we said earlier in the show, the return of Barry Allen, I don't think you can top that one. That is the, the gold standard for Flash stories, the gold standard for 90s comics stories. Really one of the best, uh, in, in my opinion, DC comics stories that's been written. So that's uh, far and away at the top of my list. Uh, we were talking a little bit about you know, the story that wraps up in issue 100, Terminal Velocity. That's where this concept of the speed force is really introduced and explored in full. That's where we learn about uh, Max's history, uh, Max Mercury, and how he, he jumped forward in time. Every time he started to, to run fast enough to bump up against the speed force, we get this, this concept, which is you know, perhaps kind of silly, like you know, the notion of there being a, a speed force, and it's this magic thing that makes all of these flashlight characters be able to run fast. I, I think in the context of, of superhero comics, it's, it's brilliant. It's, it's a way in which Wade and his, his creativity is able to look at this history of comics where uh, there have been multiple flashes, there have been other characters uh, like Max Mercury, Johnny Quick, uh, who have basically the same power set. And it it's, uh, gives him uh, this opportunity to, to craft this in-story reason for why all of these characters have this similar power and how they're connected across history. It plays into that legacy theme we've discussed. Uh, and I think it really provided a, a template for DC Comics for the next 
you know, 20 or so years, like it or, or hate it, the Jeff Johns Green Lantern run, I think, took a lot of its cues from Mark Wade Flash as, you know, Johns uh, comes up with the idea of, you know, well, there are the Green Lanterns and there are the Yellow Lanterns and the Reds and, you know, all of, all of these different colors that are connected uh, via this supernatural concept. Um, I think you see Marvel yeah. start to toy with it in the ult- ultimate Marvel line where they uh, are able to tell this streamlined story that starts with Captain America and the super soldier experiments, you know, lead to the Hulk and lead to the introduction of, of the mutant gene and uh, are even uh, related to the experiments that created the spider that bites Peter Parker. And I, I'm really a, a sucker for that stuff when uh, you know, a, a modern comic writer is able to look at the, the decades of history behind a character or a, a universe and, uh, and tie it together like that as if it had been planned from the beginning. I think Wade's really the trailblazer uh, for, for doing that um, with the Flash and the Speed Force. And so Terminal Velocity, uh, another one of my favorites because it introduced that concept and I think does it extremely well. What also answers this odd kind of loose end from the first half of the run which is, you know, uh, especially in the earliest issues, while he has to eat and drink all the time because he's constantly worn out by all the running he does. And it just got to be kind of awkward and a little ridiculous after a while. So to have it kind of transform into, like, now he has this this kind of everlasting energy he can tie into to become a hero, I think just really adds to the character and just simplifies him in a way that really fits as well. Because, you know, otherwise... You, know, you start wondering, well, why does he never get tired? Why does it never bear on him that he's running these incredible distances? It's because he has this other spirit that he's tying into, which allows him to just do these amazing things and also really enhanced his powers as well, which really just all felt like a throwback to the Berry Flash, you know, the vibration ability and all that sort of thing. Another thing I, I love about it is it gives us this uh, way for Wally's origin story to not be dumb. Right. So like the, the Silver Age origin story yes. is yeah, he's in Barry Allen's uh, lab talking to the Flash and Barry describes this freak accident that happened to him. And then literally the exact same thing happens to Wally where this lightning bolt comes in and hits the chemicals and gives him the same powers. Uh, and, you know, that's that's how comics uh, often worked. Uh, in the Silver Age. And, you know, perhaps the Speed Force is a bit hokey, but it, it at least leaves us with something other than pure random coincidence uh, explaining how Wally gets these powers. Uh, you realize, as Wade introduced this mythological concept, that no, you know, it wasn't a coincidence. There's this force out there that meant for Wally to get these powers. And I think it really redeems what is otherwise a pretty silly origin story. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Wade touches on the silliness of the origin story at least two or three times in his run as well, and then kind of twists it in a way that really brings it to life. So there's two stories I especially loved in this run. First was a story where Keystone City says, Flash, we can't have you live here anymore because all the supervillains attack our city, and therefore uh, we can't handle this. Our insurance rates are going up, our property values are dropping like crazy, and people are afraid to live here because of you. And I thought it was just such a great extrapolation of what it must be like to live in a city where a superhero lives, where he's constantly fighting the Weather Wizard and Kilgore. That story arc, you know, remind me a little bit of something, a series like Astro City or, you know, one of those books that kind of tries to explore what would it be like to live in this world? I thought um, it was a great touch. And then the other one that I loved was the Hell to Pay storyline. Because of the kind of nastiness of the DC villains and the way that he brings in the rogues gallery, who were never really part of Wade's run, 
but he brings them in in a way that really kind of illuminates who they are as characters and their kind of small town, wonderful approach to the world. Their souls are better than most villains, and their souls, once get corrupted, become incredibly terrifying. Yeah, it's interesting how little the rogues play a part in, in Wade's run. Uh, Jeff Johns, who's Wade's successor, really uh, uses them heavily. Uh, but Wade hardly touches on them at all. And, and I don't know if that was um, you know, an attempt to, to make Wally more unique, to make his stories different than, than Barry's or what have you. But, but I was glad that uh, as I was rereading through this to see that, well, well, Wade does actually get to give his take on these characters. So I'm glad he, he does get a word in on who the rogues are. Yeah, he says in this interview that he doesn't like the rogues, and he never really saw the point of the rogues, because he never saw them as real threats to Barry or Wally. Because, you know, how does a guy who shoots heat ray out of a gun threaten the guy who can run, you know, at light speed? It doesn't make any sense. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Why would, yeah, why would he have any trouble beating up those guys? <laughs> yeah, it's the Superman problem, right? How can anyone be a threat to this guy who can do these amazing things? One storyline we have to talk about is the Cobalt Blue story, Chain Lightning, and then the revelation of uh, kind of the second Flash, or I guess we can talk about it, Barry's uh, supposed twin brother. Yeah, he, Barry Allen one, has an evil twin. <laughs> which is the one storyline that I just thought was awful. Just a, just a stupid idea played through. I had similar feelings, though I, th I think my opinion of that story actually evolved a bit here in this uh, latest read-through. I, I, I'm with you. It's, it's kind of the most cheesy, soap opera-type device. Uh, it's literally an evil, evil twin. twin. Yeah. Little, and, and it's not even the first evil twin that's shown up in the run. You know, uh, We talked about uh, when Professor Zoom comes back in time and, and looks like Barry. So you know, Wally's already fought an evil Barry before. Right. Um, the story itself, too, I, I thought was was very um, throw everything at the wall. There's there's so much going on in that story. We've got various flashes traveling to other parts of time, meeting other various flashes. It, it just doesn't seem as well crafted as a lot of the other stories in this run were. Though I actually think the exception to that is how the story wraps up. I was personally a, a big fan of what happens in I believe it's issue 150. That's the finale. Uh, of Chain Lightning, where Wally, he's in the 30th century, uh, which is a period of time where Barry Allen went to live with Iris shortly before he was called back to the present day and, and ends up dying in Crisis on Infinite Earths. Uh, and something happens to change the timeline. Um, Cobalt Blue, I think, actually succeeds in killing Barry before he goes back to, to uh, sacrifice himself in the crisis. And so you, you see how uh, the events of the DC universe would have played out if Barry hadn't made that sacrifice. And basically you have the Anti-Monitor winning, the universe is wiped out, replaced with, with the Anti-Matter universe, and Wally has to figure out how to fix things. Uh, and I, I thought the, the resolution to that problem was really brilliant. Wally actually ends up sacrificing his own life, or so we think, uh, for a few issues, sacrificing his own life to save Barry so that Barry lives on to then sacrifice his life for, for the universe. And the thing I really liked about that is as we're seeing Wally live up to this legacy of Barry, I, I feel like that's really the pinnacle where he's, he's fully done it. Uh, he's not only become as fast as Barry, he's not only become as successful at being a hero as Barry, but he has actually made the self-sacrifice that Barry himself made 
that really makes him into this legend among the DC heroes. So while I didn't like that story uh, very much, the ending really got me. I thought it was very satisfying. Yeah, there's a beautiful two-page spread at the end of that story where uh, every issue of Wally's Run starts with him saying, my name is Wally West and I am the Flash. This ends with, my name was Wally West. I was the fastest man alive, which of course was the line that everyone used for Barry. And on the two-page spread is him with all the speedsters over time juxtaposed behind him. And it's just this wonderful moment of, Here's the past and the present all coming together in a way that really reinforces both. So, yeah, it, the, the ending was just really moving. And then you flip to the next page, and it's Barry running with Iris in the future with this look of absolute love in the two of their eyes for each other. And it's just a that is a wonderful climax. Yeah. So, you know, again, would have loved for us to have a little bit of a better way to get to that point. Uh, but that ending almost made the, the story for me. I almost think the run could have ended that that moment but it doesn't there's there's one more big saga to to wrap up the run what did you think of the dark flash storyline it felt like wade started with one idea and then moved to another i felt like he wanted to do a darker version of the flash which maybe would have been a satirical version of the flash or maybe like echoing his work on kingdom come but he couldn't help himself he made john more respectable character a more fully fledged character and kind of gave him a lot more depth than i expected him to have so by the end, I found myself really empathizing with him when I expected not to. He's He's got uh, just about as touching a finale as you can imagine, yeah. right? Where I think it's over the span of, of eight issues where they uh, they bring in this this new character. He's a rougher, edgier, more, you know, stereotypically grim and gritty superhero who's a version of Wally from an alternate timeline where uh, where Linda is killed uh, and isn't there to be his emotional anchor you know in the course of these eight issues he falls in love with a character from the regular universe and discovers that he's not able to remain where he is with her because he's from another timeline he's causing all of these problems to to happen in the regular dc universe and so he is basically forced by the justice league to leave to go live somewhere else in the multiverse and the, the final issue of that run ends with him going to this parallel world and he ends up in, appearing in this comic book store and he's looking on the wall and you see all of these DC comics on the wall. So and you realize cute. he's come yeah. to our world, right? And, and, and he opens <laughs> up a Flash comic and he, and he sees this lady, uh, Angela, that, that he's fallen in love with and he, he can read her thought captions and, and he sees that she misses him and remembers him and and he's he's given a little bit of peace knowing that you know he's still loved and cared for and uh, that that was another moment of the run that that it it just got me <laughs> yeah so i think what we're saying is that there's times when wade would feel like he's going off the rails a little bit or we would lose him and then he continually kind of redeem himself he brings it back yep oh, over and over like uh, i was really unhappy when he broke up Bear, uh, wally and linda's wedding too and then Linda disappears for a while, and she was Wally's anchor, right? She really brought him back from heaven, which is so interesting, too. And then he basically writes her out of the book for eight or nine issues. And then he brings it, he kind of completes their arc in a, just a beautiful way in, the, in that same final issue with this just wonderful wedding scene. He does, and I, I think it, it really gives him the chance to put the final stamp or give the final word on that relationship. So, you know, all throughout... Wally's exploration of the speed force, which is is continually calling to him. He's he's uh, being led to 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 merge with it and enter this this heaven for 
for flashes, he always comes back because Linda is still here uh, waiting for him. And when the villain Abracadabra removes her from everyone's memory, he doesn't have that anchor anymore. And he's not able to come back from the Speed Force at, at the end of Chain Lightning. She's in another uh, reality. But the, the, the love and connection between those two characters is, is so strong that Wally is actually brought back to that alternate reality. And that spawns the, the very convoluted, complex chain of events that uh, we see in the Dark Flash saga. But, you know, I, uh, I thought it, it just you know, put that final exclamation point on how powerful the love between Wally and Linda was, that it was able to basically cross dimensional barriers for the two of them still to reunite and culminates in that wedding scene that you mentioned that really, I don't think the run could have ended any other way. It really puts that relationship on like a Clark and Lois level, this perfect match for each other. She is wonderful for him. He is wonderful for her. And in the end, they redeem each other. They bring each other to new places. And I just think that's, it really is the, the highlight of the entire arc to me is, the, is their relationship. For sure. Did you uh, get a chance to delve into some of the, the later issues? So, I don't know, four or five years later, Wade actually comes back to The Flash and writes six issues. Did you, did you find I, those? I did. Yeah, I was going to ask what you thought of those because I want to hear your take first. It's, uh, I believe it, it's issue 231. So, so Wade wraps up around 160. Uh, Jeff Johns writes the book for a number of years. I think The Flash actually wasn't even being published in its current form. Wally vanishes in, in one of the big DC events. I think it was Infinite Crisis and is off the board for a few years. Right. They, they bring him back and Wade actually comes back to write the book. I remember when this was happening in the, in the early 2000s. Uh, I, was, I was super excited. I mentioned how, how much I, I loved Wade's work on The Flash find out that he's coming back. You know, I think this is, this is going to be great. I was a bit disappointed with the quality of that short second run. I don't think it lives up to uh, what he did in, in the, the years of the 90s. Though I will say, logically speaking, I, I think it does make sense for it to be the next part of Wally's story. Basically, he and Linda uh, have kids. The kids, because of their dad's connection to the Speed Force, uh, have powers and they become basically a, a superhero family. And I really like that idea. I think if you're looking at Wally's journey as one of uh, growing in maturity, taking on a greater degree of responsibility, uh, really the, the responsibility of fatherhood is what would logically progress uh, from everything he's gone through. And so while I appreciate the, the spirit of it, I think that kind of thing uh, has been done uh, better in other comics and uh, perhaps it would have been uh, best for Wade to uh, leave things as they were rather than to take that, uh, that second spin through the character. But interested to hear your thoughts, Jason. Yeah, we actually are very, very similar on this because I wanted to love it. I wanted to jump in and just spending more time with these characters. But there were so many aspects of it I just found off-putting. First of all, I didn't like that Lindo was changed from being a reporter to being a great scientist. I thought that was just wrong. And secondly, it just didn't feel like Wally. He just, I, I, I like the idea of him evolving to becoming a parent. And I think that was wonderful. And it's something that they hinted at for a while. But everything just felt off about this run. And I couldn't really put my finger on it other than he, neither he nor Linda ever felt like they were in character. It almost felt like an alternate universe version of them. Yeah, I, um, uh... 
I was reading the the letters page in the uh, final uh, issue of the original Wade run, and, and there's a, a little statement there to the effect of uh, Wade not feeling like he's able to uh, give uh, Wally the personal touch that he was once able to, to give him. I really think that instinct was correct. Uh, I don't know what the circumstances of him returning to the book were. He was only on it for six issues, so you know maybe this is something that uh, his editors at DC really wanted that he wasn't quite feeling. But uh, I, I think that uh, the emotional core that really rings true in the original run, it just really, really wasn't there. It's certainly not that Wade lost his touch as a writer. He has penned some some excellent comics in the years since being on The Flash. Uh, a lot of stuff for Marvel that's been fantastic. Uh, his Fantastic Four run. Yeah, uh, love it. His, his run on Daredevil. Yeah. Uh, those, are, those are amazing books. Uh, Wade is, is still, you know, even today, at the top of his game. You know, I think one of the top five uh, writers in the in the industry, uh, all things considered, and and I think really he he had just said what he had to say about Wally, and, and you know didn't really have anything left when it came time for that second short run. Yeah, it just felt like he was there was just a pitch he had out there that maybe he didn't have time to complete, or that it wasn't well thought out. I wasn't crazy about the Daniel Acuna art either, which I thought would be wonderful in a different story, but just didn't fit this story at all. I'm with you. I, th- I think uh, Acuna is a fantastic artist, but The Flash, not the book I'd probably put him on. Yeah, and it just didn't quite work for me. Uh, again and again, I wanted it to be something better than it was. And it just never was quite that book. I think the one thing we haven't talked about much that I wanted to bring up was his relationship with Iris, which I thought was just so wonderful. You know, Iris was the woman who really changed his life almost as much as Barry by showing him that there is a different way. He could have been a broken man, right? He grew up in an extremely dysfunctional childhood with parents who didn't love him and terrible financial problems. Iris showed him that there was another way he could have lived his life. He, she showed him really how to be a hero. Barry demonstrated for him, but I, I think Iris in her own subtle way did the same thing. And so that first storyline especially just did a beautiful job of playing up that whole character of her. And maybe appreciate her in a new light, which I actually wish they played up more on the TV show, too. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the The rendition of, of Iris that they have in this run is fantastic. I particularly love how Wade introduces the possibility of her return very early on. That's in Return of Barry Allen, where Wally finds this book that Thawne brought back with him from the future, The Life Story of the Flash. Uh, it's got a publication date of you know five or six years ahead of where Wally was at the time, and it's written by Iris West uh, or Iris Allen, I suppose. And so there's this you know glimmer of hope that hey, Iris is is out there somewhere. Uh, she's coming back. Wade takes his time uh, showing us how that's going to happen, but once she's there, she's a powerful presence in the book. It's actually interesting in 1997, which was I believe the in-story publication date of that life story of the flash book, uh, DC puts out a hardcover graphic novel. That's basically supposed to be that book written by Iris. Uh, have, have you ever read that? Yeah, it's wonderful. I think I like the idea of it a ton and it's a good read. <laughs> the, uh, the thing that threw me off is it is a graphic novel. In, in addition to having some text pieces, mm-hmm. I might've preferred if they stuck to the bit a little bit more and uh, you know, had it be completely written as if it was uh, written by uh, by Iris as a journalist. But as far as a, a modern retelling, 
of Barry Allen's adventures. It's, it's really great. Uh, definitely a, a part of the collection you're going to want to own if you're uh, trying to, to put together uh, this run of comics. Well, so I think a great way to, to, to conclude this is to talk about Wade himself and the work. So my friend John Wells does the interview with Wade in The Flash Companion, and he asks, how much of Mark Wade is Wally West and how much of Wally West was in Mark? Wade says, aha! It's a pretty clear transposition of me into Wally. I mean, I had no compunction about doing that. It's all I knew how to do as a young writer. Just give the guy my voice and my personality and my characteristics. And Brian Augustin, his editor, would just howl with laughter when he'd hear, read a script and he would hear Wally say something I've been saying for years, like, I'm not interested in making anything that takes longer to cook than it does to eat. I love that line. <laughs> uh, and I love this. I've told this story before, he says. The Flash Zero sequence where Wally goes back and meets his younger self was taken right out of my own life. I had been traveling through Alabama, taking a leisurely stroll through my past. I drifted to Oxford, back to the house I lived in when I was about the age Wally was in that story. This is about 1992-93. I was standing outside that old house. Nobody was home. I was just standing in the driveway, and I was reflecting on how I'd just taken over the Flash. I'd managed to achieve a career at DC Comics and really, really, truly felt like I'd at last stepped into the life I'd always longed for. And in that instant of clarity, I wanted nothing more, nothing in the universe more, than to walk around to the side of the house and find 10-year-old Mark Wade just sitting there playing so I could talk to him. So I could tell him that I knew life was tough for him, and it would be a while before it got easier. But he shouldn't spend so much time being afraid of what tomorrow might bring, because when he grows up, every wish he ever had was going to come true. I just Fantastic. love that. I just yeah. love that. Well, Chris, thanks for doing this. This was really fun i'm glad i got a chance to reread these comics and glad i got a chance to talk about them with you uh, likewise it's been my pleasure oh thank you